Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. And we are back for another installment of On Culture. It's the podcast of The Embassy. Glad you're along uh, with us. Uh, if you have had a chance to read the latest installment of The Embassy, that's that's what we'll be talking about today uh, on this on, on Culture. And so if you haven't, you might want to read it before you listen to this, or you can read it after. Uh, I am joined uh, on this fine evening by uh, two loved ones, uh, my daughter and son-in-law, uh, Drew and Emily. Uh, Drew, why don't you say hi to the good people? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> say hi to the good people as well. <laughs> hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, Drew, you, uh, you're you a part of uh, a uh, sub stack as well called Do You Like Apples? Um, tell the people, what's what's that about? You've been doing that for a couple years now, right? Yeah, about, about three years. Uh, a buddy and I... Uh, uh, started a Substack newsletter about called do you like apples, which is really just, uh, we recommend movies every week. Um, so we usually have a wrapped around a theme, whether it's a genre or an actor or a director or something. And, uh, we just uh, write about movies that we like. And, uh, it's just a shared passion that, that my friend and I, my friend Billy and I have, and, um, we kind of just wanted to have an outlet for that. So we kind of got together and, and write about it every week. And, um, so yeah, Substack, uh, you can you can subscribe at doyoulikeapples.substack.com. Um, and then we're on social media, Twitter and Instagram as well. But um, yeah, it's just uh, just kind of a fun, fun side thing. Yeah, I recommend it. It's uh, there's so many things to watch. So it's it's a good resource for trying to figure out what you want to watch next. Uh, and uh, Emily, I, I will sometimes I, I'm trying to refer to you as Emily during this podcast, but I usually just call her M, but I'll probably do that from time to time. <laughs> Um, you are a certified eating disorder, disorder, registered dietitian. Did I get that right? And you have, uh, your own sort of business and, and website and, and service. So why don't you talk about that for just a second? Um, yes. Thanks for the intro. I was hoping anytime I listen to a podcast and there's a guest, there's usually like a long intro where they like talk about all the guest accomplishments and like stuff. So I was hoping for that, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Your dreams have come true. Yeah. I, yes, I'm a dietitian. I specialize in helping people who struggle with eating disorders um, or if they've never been diagnosed, sometimes just disordered eating, um, helping people work on what does it look like to have a healthy relationship with food. I have my own private practice called Restored Nutrition. I see people in my office in Afton and then also virtually, as long as they reside in the state of Missouri, you can see them virtually. So that's helpful for convenience. Um, my website is www.restorednutrition.com or my email is emilywentrd at gmail.com. Um, so that was impressive. Yeah. That was really, that was really good. Um, so uh, having said that, we're not really going to talk about movies or eating. Uh, we're going to talk about um, a a man who married a fictional character. 
the article that I that kicked this off actually talks about a few people and many of them in Japan where I think this is a, a bit of a trend. Relationships with fictional characters are definitely a trend uh, there. Uh, and this article is a New York Times article. I linked to it in the piece. Uh, is uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Akihiko Kondo, I think uh, if that's pronounced correctly, who marries uh, Hatsune uh, Miku, who is a fictional character. Uh, and let me just like, what did you guys think? What did you guys think? And what like, how did it make you feel when you were reading that article? Just process that. Do you want to go first, Drew? Sure. I I uh, I think it was the the first the first thought I guess is uh, I, I, this feels like a, a very modern um, thing where it's it seems like it's going to can even happen more and more as technology increases as uh, artificial intelligence advances. Um, this seems like something that's not going away. Uh, it seems like it seems like it's going to be something that uh you know more and more people kind of reach for um so i think uh th that was kind of my first reaction and and i think um my my once i kind of thought about it a little deeper i and and read through the whole article i was thinking you know a lot of these things do give people a lot of joy and um connection um uh, with with other with, with other communities like this but marrying of marrying a fictional character is a whole nother step to that um so which which mm -hmm. is an even more kind of fascinating thing but um yeah it, it seems like uh something that's gonna you know continue to, to uh uh i think it's growing in, in popularity in japan maybe not actually marrying a fictional character but having these kind of relationships with uh fictional um characters but you know i mm -hmm. maybe it's just more of a Japanese uh, cultural thing right now, but you know, it, it's hard to say. What do you think, Em? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a level of like fascination. I am trying to understand something that is very different, but I also, I think if you think about it for a second, it kind of is. I mean, I don't want to speak to his happiness, but it kind of is like made me think of how lonely might someone have to be um and then it made me think of just technology where it's like obviously this is the extreme of like a artificial intelligence doll but also just how mm -hmm. technology is a good thing and can offer increased opportunity for connection and networking but then i also think it it can like remove our feet from the ground of like re reality sometimes so it's like i think about i mean i'm not involved in that kind of technology but like instagram or social media where it's like you can be interacting with people all day but still be really lonely because it's often not real it's like a image of something or the image of yourself that you're projecting so you're not actually dealing with and having relationships with um real people day to day and i feel like that's the extreme version of it like feel whether it's socially awkward or hasn't met someone that he wants to marry or whatever. And so it feels like this is a bet way to do it without mess. And I would just be curious, like how long that brought any satisfaction to him. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I probably am in the piece speaking somewhat to his happiness, uh, maybe not his stated happiness, um, because I think the grounds of his happiness are, uh, I think what he what he effectively does is lower the bar for happiness to somebody who's not going to hurt him, somebody who's always going to be there for him and unchanging. Uh, and of course, it, it's an inanimate thing. Uh, I don't think, I think it's not mostly a technology thing, or at least that's my thoughts. I, I, I mean, I think technology is neutral. I'm not anti-technology. Um, uh, I do think that um, human fallenness will find its way into every, uh, and, and human image bearing will find its way into every institution and, and uh, you know, aspect of our society and technology is one of those. So it's not like, I don't think social media is bad. I think people are fallen and they have the accelerated ability to impact lots of people uh, by saying crazy things when before they just said crazy things over the fence to their neighbor and nobody else knew. Uh, And I think, so I don't know that this is, I just think it is accelerating a trend of, I, I think, I think what I'm trying to say in the piece is there's like a retreat. To safety. Yeah, I think that's what I was getting at with the social media part is at first it's like, oh, I can connect with all of these people. I'm not talking about like bullying necessarily, like I can connect with all these people. But I think there's been like studies on teenagers who it's like they're connecting with people, but they're not actually connecting with anybody because it and then there's more social anxiety. There's more like I'm not actually having a face to face conversation with anybody. And I don't even I mean, not just teenagers. sometimes like I don't even know how to do that anymore. Yeah. And I think that's yeah, no, I think an extreme that's example of like that. How do you have a, yeah. a real relationship with somebody? Yeah. And he's like, and I don't know, I I'll do, marry a doll. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think that's kind of, I mean, yeah, in his, his story is, I think he was rejected by, you know, a woman he at least had some desire for. Uh, he had experienced some bu- bullying at work and so on. So life was painful. Interacting with people was painful. And so he found comfort in this fictional relationship. Uh, and it's sort of jarring, of course, but, um, and I don't think I'm not trying to judge people who are alone because some people choose to be alone and have all sorts of other healthy relationships in their life. Um, or perhaps haven't found somebody yet and want to whatever. This is really different than that. This is, I'm not looking for a human anymore because I have my artificial (laughs) companion. It's a substitute. And so, you know, something you could have. Some people, you know, might have a whatever, some sort of fanfic relationship with some artificial character. But as long as it doesn't become a substitute for real relationships, that's probably harmless. This is just sort of to the next level. And I'm just wondering, do you think that's a trend? Or I do wonder if, I do wonder if, and maybe the pandemic accelerates this sort of thing where we kind of all over the last couple of years have kind of been home. We've been sinking deeper into our own interests. You know, I, I think we can all kind of have empathy for, um, for feeling the pull of, of wanting to retreat from the world at times. I think, you know, whether it's any, any, any interest or, or, you know, thing, uh, thing that threatens to become an obsession for somebody, you know, which I think you alluded to it in, in what you wrote, uh, in the article, Mike, but, you know, whether it's work or sports, you know, politics, entertainment, video games, 
fashion, your pets, you know, like any of those things could, could threaten to become an obsession and, and take away from the, the enjoyment that they're there for and that, you know, mm-hmm. in moderation that they can provide. So I think just empathizing with, you know, their situation in the article, you know, I think we all kind of have felt that kind of where it would just be easier to kind of retreat and just not really engage uh, as much. Um, but I, I thought this this quote was interesting. Um, it was a different different guy in the article who had married a fictional character, and uh, he had had a divorce a few years ago. And um, he said uh, the article says his new relationship was easier. He said with no demands on his time and no need to cater to someone else's desires. The love was pure, quote unquote, given freely and with no ex- expectation of it, of anything in return. It made him realize how self-centered he had been in the earlier marriage, um, which that that's kind of what you're talking about. Like it's, it's a substitute. It's uh, it's kind of uh, it's there to he, he's saying he realized how self-centered he was in his marriage. But in a sense, he his self is still very centered because he's chosen a, a, a relationship with no one that can challenge him or or provide any, any, uh, you know, person to person, um, contact and, and love. So yeah, I, yeah. I guess that, that, that yeah. quote really jumped out to me in the article. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's sort of an inverted way of looking at things, uh, because it seems to me completely self-centered you know, marrying a fictional character is sort of the ultimate self-centered thing. It's all about <laughs> You know, this person can't, is everything I want them to be because it's all in my imagination. And I don't, I mean, so I, you know, I, I can love this fictional character without any expectation of return is sort of uh, like, what does it even mean to, to love another person if that person has not even experienced some, some sort of sacrificial action on their behalf that they would appreciate in some way? it's sort of a, it's an artificial construct that's in place of. Uh, And so let me, I mean, so technology perhaps has given us the ability to do that more. Why is it like, just talk about the basic assumption that I think we all have. Why is it nice sometimes to think about withdrawing from these relationships? What is it about these relationships that make us want to perhaps take a step back away from them? And what do you think? Um, well, I think that like, I was just thinking about, we watched like Lars and the Real Girl last night. And then I'm thinking about the the movie referenced in the newsletter and then mm-hmm. this article. And I, I'm just thinking about how like, it's somewhat normal, like when you're single or looking for a partner that you're like picturing like this person that you want in your head and like what they would be like. But like, it's always better and worse at the same time than the real person that you end up with because the person in your mind is like you. So this person can like magically read your mind and like know exactly what you're thinking and feeling and wanting and needing. Um, But also worse because you're not real. So you can't actually connect. And so I think it's almost this, like you want to retreat from the reality of uh, people, the person I'm in a relationship, like, is broken there's no such thing as a perfect person for another person so they're not going to be able to read my mind or meet my needs at all times um then also if there's past hurt of like past 
rejection, um, just sometimes really terrible past things that have happened. It's like, that's really scary to then if I've been broken or traumatized in past relationships, then like that requires an even bigger step of faith in another person. And that it's hard. So it just feels like this easier route. I'm willing to accept less so that I don't get hurt mm-hmm. right? rather than wrestle yeah. with like, there's this thing that I want and I don't know if I could ever have it. Yeah. So just thinking, you know, here thinking I always thought I was the. Sorry, here, here I always thought I was the ideal husband. Yeah. Um, you're, so you're, this you're is finding something this is tough. Out. Tough for me to hear, but yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So desire, wrestling, hard, risky, scary. I mean, all of these are elements of actual relationships we have with actual people, and you know, to the extent we don't have them, it probably means people are not terribly close to. Uh, you know, that I, uh, that Lars and the Real Girl is, uh, um, actually mom uh, reminded me of that movie uh, when I was thinking of other, I was thinking of other examples of, you know, these human fictional sort of, uh, relationships in, in movies. Uh, and I thought this is such a perfect example because Lars had experienced in childhood, this, this profound, you know, loss and brokenness and, basically retreated, you know, from life to avoid more pain uh, and then found his way back via this artificial relationship of sort of a a gateway back to, to, uh, you know, but it is the retreat more than the fictional character that that sort of interests me because I do think the retreat thing is common, that we are all doing a dance with retreating or advancing and, and who am I going to retreat from and who is who am I going to commit to? Uh, and that's even friendships where sometimes we would say to somebody who we've been in a, a friendship for a while that, Oh, I don't, is this even worth it anymore? Like this, at some point is this like too much work? And uh, I think that's a, a real thing in real relationships. And the more we withdraw yeah, to more distant or virtual or fictional relationships, the more we avoid all of that, but then all of the benefits are imagined rather than real. We're not actually getting them from some other person. We're generating them in our own mind, really, which is the sad, you know, it's the sad thing. You know, you're not, this fictional character isn't actually loving you. Of course, they're not. They can't. Uh, And it's that imagining that that love is, you know, that's better and safer than a real love is sort of a sad thing to me. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, 20, 30 years yeah, down the line. I, I think it's, out. I think it's, it's trying to, to avoid disappointment and um, pain at all costs. The line in that movie, Lars and the real girl, that is kind of the kind of sums up the movie in a sense is uh, Lars and, and uh, his doll uh, who he named Bianca are leaving. Bianca. They, they I don't, I don't know why I love that. That's Bianca. Yeah. <laughs> Bianca. <laughs> yeah. Such a nice touch. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're leaving church and uh, someone else at church gives, because the community is kind of, uh, they love Lars and they're trying to, to, uh, you know, accept him. And they, uh, they give Bianca uh, flowers and Lars says, these are pretty and, and they're not real. So they'll last forever. Um, which I think is, is kind of the dead giveaway of the movie where, He's trying to create this thing that's not going to disappoint him. It's never going to leave him. And 
ultimately it's, it's fake flowers, you know, that's kind of, kind of what it ends up up being. So um, yeah, that, that, that stood out to me. Um, Yeah. I mean, you, you can cut this if you're like, Emily, this is not relevant, but it's making me think of, stay with me, eating disorders. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of clients who struggle with eating disorders, a lot of the reason for an eating disorder is multifaceted, but a lot of times the behaviors are too numb out, whether that's trauma or overwhelming anxiety or emotional distress. And a lot of times when clients think about recovering, it's, well, I don't, I've spent so long not feeling any feelings. Like I just am numbed out and I'm terrified to feel anything again. And I'm not a therapist, but together with their therapists and with me, we'll talk about, yeah, like you're going to have to work through and deal with all these negative, scary things. And yeah, you are going to have to feel the disappointments and the hard parts of life. But if you continue to numb, obviously eating disorders are physically dangerous, but you also aren't experiencing any of actual life. So you don't get to like, you're just numb all the time. So yeah, you get to avoid this pain, but you're also missing out on like joy with your kids and your family and connection. And so you're not actually living a life at all. Mm -hmm. You're just numbing out everything. And it's kind of making me think of that, like, it's this like numb relationship where it's like, yeah, it's great. And I've imagined this thing in my head, but there's, and there's none of the bad, but there's legitimately none of the good ever. That's all imagined too. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't cut anything you ever said, honey. Uh, But that's exactly, (laughs) that's really the, that's sort of the point that I'm, I want to get to is that, okay, take the fictional character out of it. And now think we all retreat and we are all capable of retreating in various ways. Some people in obvious ways, they become addicted to alcohol or uh, there was a young man I knew uh, uh, 15 years ago or so, I don't know, 20 years ago. And um, there was this thing at our church where where people were, uh, hey, let's fast for, for Lent, I think, 40 days of fasting for something. might not have been Lent. Um, but, uh, he said, I'm going to, va- I'm going to fast from ESPN for 40 days. Uh, <laughs> and he said it completely changed his life because he realized he was basically living a life. He had fictional relationships with sports center anchors and with like his, he would get up in the morning and watch it. He'd come home from work and turn it on. It would be on basically all night. He'd watch sporting events, sports center whatever all the time and it was it, he you know in a sense he was married to espn he wasn't married to espn but that that's the same people work workaholism whatever it might be uh people who you know chase affair after affair after affair a lot of it i think it's the same i'm just re- i'm retreating from real life into so there's some vehicle so it's an eating disorder or some some other sort of substance related thing or it's some activity or uh, you know, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I know people who are into gaming and I think that's fine. Uh, I don't, I'm not anti-gaming. Uh, you know, you know, sometimes people make connections, video gaming friends that are whatever, but there's a line that you one crosses where that now becomes the substitute for, and it's, they're just, there's, there's a limit to those relationships. So, you know, that's sort of what the, the fictional character thing, it just it's kind of writ large 
this thing that we all can do uh, from time to time. Um, and, you know, whatever that might be, uh, I think I think it'd be helpful for all of us to ask, like, what would my avenues of retreat be? Yeah. It, it, what avenues of retreat have I employed? You know, for me in the past, I'm sure it's been work. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, it could be uh, interest in movies and great, but, mo but movies could be, a you know, an avenue of retreat. Anything can be. Uh, and it's just a, it's more about the retreat than the avenue, I think. Uh, so I don't know. What do you think of that idea? I'm trying to generalize it into something that it's really it's easy to read the article and think that guy's messed up. What a sad, pathetic character. But there's something there, I think, that is part of our common humanity, that life's painful and really and real relationships with real people can be hard. Uh, and this is easier and I'll do this instead. I mean, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, again, I just keep thinking of it in connection to my job, but something that uh, we'll t I'll talk to clients about is like, if you're really overwhelmed at a meal and really not wanting to eat, sometimes it is okay to like, use distraction as a way to get you through the hard thing. Like, I'm going to check out and not feel these feelings so I can do what I need to do. But then if we never check back in, then you're never actually like, dealing with the hard things and so they just keep happening so it's like not necessarily bad to have ways to like unplug or disconnect or retreat but if you're like never stepping back onto the field for lack of a better mm -hmm. analogy that like mm -hmm. you're not the thing that you're using to help you is like actually hurting you now more than it's helping right. you yeah yeah yeah, there's like a lot of things, a lot of coping mechanisms that they make sense in the moment, but at some point they begin to hurt you. Um, I mean, one of the things I thought, um, and this is, you know, uh, you know, kind of just one of one of the aspects that that popped into mind, eating disorders wouldn't have, but so parenting uh, can. I think I know parents, and uh, you know, I think probably all parents can be in the sense of. The goal of parenting is to have my child grow and navigate down the rapids without hitting any rocks. And so just the safest possible route around all possible danger. Uh, and um, I think that can foster this sort of... Um, I, I grew up, you know... My, my childhood is uh was a little more comp complicated than that and i i learned quickly bad things happen in the world and that's painful and i i don't know that i would want other people to learn it the way i did but there's some benefit in we live in a world where bad things happen and actually um that dealing with the bad things is where people kind of are the most human and grow and learn things and have to self-reflect and so on and if I avoid all of those things, it's like, it's like I say in the piece, I think nobody watches a, a movie of a, of an uneventful day in a serene life because it's just not that interesting. Right. And you just, all the interesting parts of life happen when there is heightened sometimes fear or anxiety or, you know, concern or, or work or struggle or whatever. I don't know. That's, that's a, sort of a parenting uh, view on it. But I just, I do think there's this sense of, I want to make sure nothing bad can happen. 
in my life. I want to make sure nothing bad can happen in my children's lives. And I just think that's probably, well, it's, it's impossible, first of all. Uh, and I'm not sure, it, taken to an extreme, it, it's probably not helpful either. I don't know, what are your thoughts? You're, you're, you're par- you've been parents for 15 months or so. You know, what do you think of that uh, thought? Yeah, I, I think we can both uh, attest to that uh, over the last uh, 15 months, uh, just trying to make sure this child doesn't hit its head on, hit its head on a, on a table or something, you know, you, you yeah. want to, you know, keep the bumpers around them for as long as yeah. possible. But I think we both know, and that's a very natural inclination, yeah. but I think we right. both know that at a certain point, you know, he's going to have to, he's going to get out there and experience yeah. the world and experience pain and, and, uh, and, and a lot of things that uh, concern us. So, you know, sure. I, it's, but, you know, like you say, like you wrote in the article, God made us to, uh, God made us for the real, I think is how you said mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think we, we know that that's true um, as Christians, but I think it still is a very scary thing uh, as I think yeah. what we're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you start out with a helpless baby, and that's kind of it is your role. But it's just hard to grow out of that, uh, and uh, you know, and move on to a more healthy thing. I do think this. Uh, I will, you know, a life without God makes the retreat much more appealing. I think uh, because you know that if I can have faith that a God I entrust my life to cares for me, then and is with me in scary places or painful places that, uh, that obviously makes it easier to be willing to enter them. Uh, especially if I have a direction in my life, that's not just missing the rock, but I need to go somewhere. And I, sometimes I got to get close to the rocks to go there. There's a mission. There's something I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Uh, and that doing is going to maybe be painful, but it's not about the pain. It's about the doing. And, that's, I think, if we have a direction and a focus and I'm going somewhere, then you accept some pain along the way. If life is about avoiding pain, then you're just scared of every possible pain point. And I do think you'll withdraw into something. Uh, so, um, you know, I don't know, getting very metaphysical about an article about a guy who married a doll. Uh, <laughs> so what did... That's what the uh, newsletter is all about, right? That's what. That's exactly what the embassy is all about. So at the end of this article, there's this little thing where during the pandemic, so he had some, he has a bunch of dolls. It's not one doll, it's a bunch of dolls. And then he had this hologram uh, that the company uh, was uh, maintaining for him somehow. And then during the pandemic, they had to shut the, they had to shut the hologram down. And he came back from work and his, his wife said network, network error which kind of made me laugh, but it's just so sad. I just get just so, uh, God, there's more out there, uh, dude. Um, and I do think that's, you know, kind of my message or our message There's more out there. Um, it's risky and you're going to fall and scrape your knee, but you know, in a sense we were made for that. Uh, and so, uh, uh, maybe that's uh, we're getting to the end of our time here maybe that's kind of where we'll don't be afraid to scrape your knee uh, don't marry fictional characters don't watch ESPN all day and then you know apply this principle uh, throughout your life and in, in any way you 
you see fit. Uh, thanks, Drew. Thanks, Emily, uh, for your your precious evening time here. And uh, love you both. Uh, we'll join us next time on on culture, and we'll talk about uh, whatever it is we're talking about then. And uh, if you want to subscribe to uh, on culture, you can do that anywhere you're listening to this on. And check us out on the embassy. You can subscribe there as well, or you can send a question in, and uh, I'll I'll get back with you. So we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Do you enjoy On Culture? You can support us and the content produced by subscribing to our newsletter, The Embassy, by visiting theembassy.substack.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.